I made my Greenfield developers disappear. disappear. This week, Little New Baby Council is taking its first steps. We've got a recap of the first public hearing, our first contentious motion, and two more councillor introductions. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we are Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 157. Uh, what, what am I opening with? Getting close to Christmas? Is it you're going to... Mm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we have to say something off the top, right? <laughs> did we do, uh, you did, did you cause any disruptions on Twitter this week? I didn't. It was just like, nothing happened this last week. Yeah, I tweeted at the city today and they responded. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 157. This bit at the top is unscripted. And after spending the last seven or eight minutes arguing about what we're going to say off the top, the best thing between the two of us that we were able to come up with is Mac tweeted at the city <laughs> and they responded, I guess. <laughs> On to the rapid fire. my house. I have to defend That's footage from the Edmonton Elks press conference where they fired the president, general manager, and head coach this week. The press conference ended with Q&A with the general manager and this question from an Edmonton Sun columnist. Look what you did, you little jerk. The EPS has announced a new animal cruelty investigation unit, which now will provide more resources to assist with Animal Protection Act investigations. Said Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee to spot the Humane Society's rescue dog mascot. Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> I don't know why I find that joke so funny, but oh my God. Um. You'd better not wreck my trip, you little sourpuss. And the Edmonton Public Library didn't after it lost its appeal to shut down three different cannabis stores. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. This episode is brought to you by ATB Financial. At ATB, they make banking work for you. With expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth, you can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. ATB has a history of doing what's right for its clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, you can visit atb.com. So, Mac, normally uh, we don't talk about stuff that is just an article that says, hey, something, someone said something. You know, we usually try to find something that happened. But we're a little strapped for news. This um, It's the first week of council. <laughs> Not a lot has really happened. And I thought it was really interesting when you passed this article along. It was an article from the CBC that says Edmonton needs a shelter for homeless families, which struck me as, well, Calgary has those, don't they? We don't. I know. This was really surprising to me. I did not know or did not realize, I guess, that Calgary has two of these shelters uh, and Edmonton has none. And evidently, this Cal the, the, the Calgary shelters are quite in demand. Families from Edmonton will travel down there to use them and even from neighboring provinces, according to the executive director of In From The Cold, one of the two shelters in Calgary. And, and Edmonton doesn't have any. So there are advocates calling for some funding for Edmonton to establish a shelter for families experiencing homelessness. We just had this big announcement about funding for emergency shelters over the winter here in Alberta. And uh, the thought is that maybe, maybe some of that money should go toward 
establishing a family shelter here in Edmonton. But the province has said they have no plans to do that. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. But, you know, this isn't a unique problem. I think families is just one group of people. But we've long heard that our homeless shelters are not universally inclusive to all groups. Some of them have, you know, extremely religious undertones where people who are atheistic or practicing different religions may not feel comfortable. Uh, We've heard people of gender and sexual minorities feeling unwelcome or unsafe in our shelters. And, you know, families as well have pretty unique concerns. Uh, To my knowledge, most shelters don't allow men and women to coexist in the same spaces, which makes it pretty hard for a typical atomic family, as the good Christian shelters would want, to exist in a shelter. There's also women's shelters, of course, and and, uh, a woman's shelter can bring a child. But according to uh, one of the Calgary shelters, 15% of the families they see are single dads, and they're certainly not welcome at a women's shelter. So having a, a family shelter is a place for them to go. Of course, this is all very topical because as we'll dive into later in the episode, budget is coming up. It's our favorite Christmas season. We have a council that pretty broadly campaigned on we need better supports for people experiencing houselessness and homelessness. You know, most of them have said something along the lines of, you know, shelters are just a temporary but necessary uh, intervention. Mm -hmm. Maybe we are going to find some money in the Edmonton budget for something like this or to improve our shelter system. I think that will be something that will be very interesting to watch this budget season. But before we get to budget, we have to cover, it was a big week for council. Uh, The new council dealt with their first public hearing and a little bit late at that council was elected october 17th it's already november 25th as we're recording this but it was the first public hearing of the new council yeah normally there would have been one a couple of weeks ago usually public hearings are every two weeks but as you say we got our first one it was a big one there was 21 bylaws up for them to consider i did not listen this week but you did troy and i understand that how should we say this? Council's still learning how to do what they need to do at council. Yeah, public hearing today was interesting for exactly two reasons for me. The first had nothing to do with council itself and had to do with the city we're in. Now, we've been rejoicing. You know, Amarjeet Sohi has won. We have the first mayor of color. We have the first woman of color being elected to city council. All these landmark milestones that we've achieved And yet, when we get the public hearing, it's all about the parking. There was one (laughs) item from public hearing that had to do with the development in Terrace Heights that made me laugh a lot. So this is a rezoning application to allow for small-scale infill development, which is something you'll see quite a bit. Essentially, this is to take an RF1, which is single detached residential, and rezone it to RF3, which is small-scale infill development. And uh, as we were talking about before the show, you were pointing out, like, there's a lot of residential that is zoned RF3, right? It's not like an unusual unusual thing. What it really means when you get down to it, the real big difference is that instead of having uh, allowance for two dwellings or two suites on the property, you can have four. So going from RF1 to RF3, in this case, just doubled it from two to four. And this could be something like, you know, you could have a duplex each with a basement suite. You could have garden suites. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of configurations on a single lot and four dwellings, honestly, isn't that much. But there was a quote from one of the speakers at public hearing that I had to pause the stream and I just laughed for a little bit. The speaker said, quote, 
my family will be 100% impacted because this will be a massive building with four or five more families just three meters from my house. This will be a huge disruption, end quote. I don't know (laughs) if I'm so heavily disconnected from the rest of the city, but like I did think the concept of infill had breached the public consciousness. I did think that people would at least start to code their language a little bit. Like, I didn't think that someone would unironically say, yeah, but if they have a basement suite, my life is over. A hundred percent impacted. And clearly the speaker has a very different definition of massive than I think you or I or any rational person would have. Yeah. When I heard that quote, I expected, uh, you know, maybe there's a high rise apartment being installed and something Holyrood's Gardens-esque. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, I should look into this proposal. Maybe this is some big development that I missed in Terrace. No, <laughs> it's a basement suite. That wasn't the only interesting thing at public hearing because there was also, I'm going to call it a procedural snafu from uh, new counselor Jennifer Rice. You'll recall at the end of last term, there was a bit of a we kerfuffle uh, when Aaron Paquette had voted against consideration for third reading on the deactivation of the mask bylaw. This was invariably a delay tactic to say, let's collect some more information because council requires unanimous consent to do all three readings in a single meeting. If council doesn't provide that unanimous consent, then for the bylaw to actually become law and have its third reading, it needs to wait for the next regular meeting of council two weeks later. Right. Now, when Aaron Paquette did that, it was an intentional tactic. He knew what he was doing and he just wanted to make a point, essentially. Yes. Councillor Rice, I'm less convinced, knew exactly what she was doing because there was Charter Bylaw 19886, which it doesn't matter what it is. She (laughs) voted against consideration for third reading on it. So it was delayed to the next meeting. And Mayor Sohi stepped up and is like, hey, just to let you know, I I realize that you might have like some concerns with this proposal that you uh, might not like some of the ways that consultation was done. Voting against consideration for third doesn't, you know, do anything other than delay it for two weeks. And you can do that. Sure. But just want to make sure you know what you're doing. And she's like, yep, I know what I'm doing. About half an hour passes in the meeting. And she's like, hey, Mayor Sohi, I'd like to reconsider my motion to disallow consideration of third reading. And he's like, sure. And then they take a revote and she allows third reading to go forward. Unanimity achieved. Great. Everything's move on. Council snafus resolved. And then the next item she votes against consideration for third reading on. And this is the Terrace Heights <laughs> item. And she didn't change her mind on that one. I don't have a lot of insight into what's going on here. But all I can say is that from the outside looking in, it looks like council still has its baby legs, which is fair. It's, you know, the first public hearing of council. But if we're wondering why it's a bit of a slow news week, why we don't have people <laughs> really getting things done, it's because... It's hard. They're in council school. It'll take some time for this new council to ramp up. They have a lot of things to read and learn and understand. So I guess we can cut them some slack at the beginning. But before long, they're going to have to get down to business. And they're up against the clock because while they're learning and trying to get acquainted, there's a ticking clock of city business that keeps being put before them. Mm -hmm. And that came up this week because upcoming is the sale of Greenfield residential land in Astor, Shaanxi, and Goodridge Corners neighborhoods. And Councillor Michael Jans 
said, hey, I want to take a second look at that. This is interesting to me, not so much because it's about Greenfield land and the sales kept coming or whatever, but because we are, as you said, just a month in here and we now have our first, I think it's fair to say, contentious vote. This was an eight to five vote on his motion. So ultimately what Michael Jans requested here is that they hit the pause button on the previous council's direction to take some of these residential land holdings they have and sell them to, to kind of make the development industry take that forward rather than to try to do it themselves or to work more piecemeal with small developers. So Michael Jan said, no, 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 I think we should reconsider that essentially. And his motion asked for a report back with some information summarizing previous decisions about the sale of this land and that they pause this public offering of the sale that, uh, that you mentioned. So that went forward and it was carried eight to five, pretty close. And the five that voted against were Mayor Sohi, Councillor Cartmel, Councillor Hamilton, Councillor Knack, and one new councillor, Councillor Karen Tang. So, um, you know, previous councils supporting their previous decision, or at least not wanting to revisit it. But the majority of council here making the decision to go in a different direction. I disagree with you a little bit in that I am a little bit interested in the text of this motion, just because I think it is interesting that uh, it is a very monopolistic way to distribute land. When we are selling off these large plots of residential land, it really ices out small and family-owned home builders out of the equation. It's not mm -hmm. selling a single lot, it's selling a block. And you or I, of course, can't buy a block, but we can buy a single lot. Yeah. And functionally, that requires that it's got to be like a company, like these large, quote unquote, evil developers, the developers who, you know, when you think of post-media articles about developer contributions are exactly the people twiddling their mustaches and cackling maniacally <laughs> as they plot their city's future with taxpayer dollars. That th This is the exact sort of evil we're talking about when we're talking about evil developers. And, you know, it effectively requires... A subsidy for them because it only allows them to develop that land. So I think it is interesting for that point. But the more interesting point here is that looking at the text of this motion, Mac, do you think it is at all in any way possible this motion passes with the previous council? No, I don't think so. I think this is a clear case of we've got, you know, new people driving the bus and they're going to take small steps to essentially assert that. I don't see this passing uh, if the previous council does it. I mean, ignoring the fact that they wouldn't revisit it, I don't think. I don't think this would lie. Do you? No, absolutely not. And I think that is the really interesting part. And it mm -hmm. passed 8-5. This is basically council taking a stand against the big developers and against the previous council and saying, this is a line in the sand. We are going to revisit decisions. We're not going to just accept the status quo 100% of the way. If we think there is a chance for change and we support that change, we're going to get that done, which is very exciting for me in a podcast, but also is exciting because of what's coming up in a couple of weeks, which is budget. For people who don't remember the city budget process, city administration will put forward a budget that says, here's how much money we need to do all the stuff. And then council will go through sort of line by line, program by program, and haggle for what they want and don't want and increases and decreases there. The budget as it's being presented from city administration right now proposes a 1.8% increase 
to the tax rate. Whether we're going to get down to zero, whether there's an appetite for that increase, sure, that's all a matter of debate. But 0.7%, so nearly half of that increase, is funding raises for the Edmonton Police Service. And I think this motion, coupled with the fact that the Taproot survey, seven out of the 13 members of council had indicated on the Taproot survey that they either wanted to freeze or decrease the police budget. So I think we might be seeing some movement on that in a couple of weeks. I think that could be possible. They definitely have some decisions to make. The previous council, you recall, had decreased the increase that the police would get by $11 million per year in 2021 and 2022. Some of the decisions this council made this week actually were to finish allocating that first $11 million, but they still have to decide what to do with that $11 million from 2022. So they have that money to work with on top of, as you say, you know, potentially looking at a 1.8% uh, increase and seeing that nearly, you know, half or two thirds or whatever is is for the police that, you know, we might have more money than just that 11 million to work with. I, I think the new council, and as you point out, the things they've said publicly before, the kind of statements they've made, all kind of point in the right direction. But we should note, there's kind of two other factors at play here. 1.8% increase is probably actually a decrease because of inflation right now. And I think councillors will be thinking about that. But also, South of us in Calgary, they approved a basically a 4% increase, 3.87% for 2022. So they might be looking at that thinking, well, maybe we've got a little bit of political cover to do something here more than uh, try to get to zero. Yeah, in terms of political will, we're going to have to see. Uh, of course, you had Amarjeet Sohi campaigning on where other mayoral candidates were saying 0% increase tax freeze. So he was a little more tempered in response and saying, ah, I might tack to inflation. You know, we don't want to cut our public service. Of course, Calgary's increase was pretty close to inflation. Inflation this year is around 4%. So I don't think we have the political will on our council to have that large of an increase. Mm -hmm. But like you said, there is some money being played with. There was that reduction to the increase from the Edmonton police that, you know, is now in a council pot to play with. And as you mentioned earlier, they have already finished allocating the funding from last year's decrease. What what did that end up going to? Yeah, this could be indicative of the direction this council's going. I mean, the very first motion this term from Mayor Hersohi was related to anti-racism, and they've taken just about $1.2 million of that previous Edmonton police reduction to the increase, very complicated, and they've directed it to the Anti-Racism Advisory Committee for further grants. And this is on top of another 216000 they allocated in grants to anti-racism initiatives this week. So clearly it's been a priority for the mayor and for uh, most of council early on here. And they, and they are taking that money and, and putting it toward some of the things that uh, we heard about during those you know, public hearings on what to do about the police budget. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to follow that through. 216000 here, a million there is one thing. If we start talking about a 0.7% and making a really big statement about the police budget, that could be very interesting. Yeah, I think the big tug and pull with this police budget is going to be Mayor Sohi, for example, is a very collaborative person. He likes to build relationships. He likes to perform outreach. He likes to reach a collaborative solution. Uh, I don't think he's going to be super jived about 
starting his term with a really combative, no, I'm slashing your budget. I imagine he would like to build relationships with the police. I don't know where you fall, but I feel like the time to build relationships with EPS has sort of already passed. I think new council has an opportunity right here to say, we set the budget, we choose how much funding you get, you get this much. 100%. I don't think this council needs to be thinking about making friends and just trying to be nice to everybody. I think they should be more aggressive about going after the things that they say are important to them and really making a a statement about that they're going to lead on this and they are going to make some changes and that they have heard Edmontonians who have raised these issues continually uh, and that, you know, we're going to do things differently now. And this would be an opportunity to do that. I don't think you need to be disrespectful about it. I think they can still have a respectful conversation with the police, but they need to be really clear about the direction they want to go. I think there's no better way to find out the direction that council wants to go than asking them about it. And it's that time again. We've got a couple new councillors to introduce to you. The next councillor we want to introduce you to is someone who it seems like should have been on the podcast several times before. But uh, in the pre-show, we looked through and no, uh, he was actually only a guest on Jeopardy. So he hasn't quite earned the friend of the podcast title. Fact check from the edit booth. He was on the live episode with Sarah Hamilton, but he was forgettable. But we're glad to welcome the now longest sitting councillor on Edmonton City Council, Andrew Knack. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I, I'm glad that you hesitated when you said glad. There was a long pause, like you're actually <laughs> saying we're glad to have him on the show, but but I don't believe you now. Well, you know, uh, that will remain between me and the microphone. So for people who don't know you, difficult to do uh, for someone who follows something as esoteric as a podcast about Edmonton municipal politics. Who are you? Where did you come from? Why are you a good counselor? Itemize those things for us. Oh, goodness. Uh, Well, I don't know. I'm never going to be the one to judge if I'm a good counselor. I think I'll leave that up to everyone else. I've I've been fortunate to be reelected a few times, so hopefully that means people don't hate me. Uh, But who I am, uh, my name is Andrew Knack. I have the great pleasure of serving the residents of Ward, Nakota, Iska, which is sort of the west end and northwest end of the city. And uh, I've been representing this area now for eight years and in my third term. And where I came from, you know, I I came from, uh, before my time on council, I was a community league president and I was managing a retail business in West Edmonton Mall and was just a really avid uh, viewer and watcher and attendee of city council meetings uh, since I was about 27. Uh, I wanted to get a better sense of, of what was happening. I actually ran for council before I was before I got involved. I ran when I was 23 and failed miserably. And <laughs> I think you might know that feeling. You know, um, you didn't have to say that, okay? I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Well played, and, sir. And, and, but I took that, that, that loss and uh, used it to motivate me to get more involved and to get involved in my community leagues to better learn what was happening at City Hall But then really where it started to pick up was when I got involved in the LRT discussions and uh, decided to run again in 2010 and lost again, uh, but didn't lose quite as badly. And uh, it spent another three years working even harder and was fortunate to finally be elected to serve in 2013 uh, when I was uh, 29. Is it fair to say that like us, and I mean this as a compliment, you're a city council nerd? 
you were listening to this stuff before you got elected? Like, why? where did that come from? What makes you so interested in it? So I was always interested in politics. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, when I was growing up, my parents and I would sit around the TV uh, during election nights to re- watch the results come in, like you would watch the Stanley Cup finals or the Super Bowl like that. That was an event for us. And uh, so I always was passionate about it. I never thought I would run because I am incredibly shy, uh, although I think I've managed to fake it fairly well now uh, after eight years. Uh, but the public speaking part terrifies me. Yet the the inner workings of this really fascinates me. And, and so uh, it's interesting to be in the spot, uh, having never thought I would be in a sort of a public facing role like this. So now that you're in this role for a third term, you've got the four years in front of you, you've got to set out your agenda of what you, the councillor from Ward Nakota Isga, want to accomplish. What's going to be one of the issues that you're either going to tackle first or something that will be guiding your upcoming term? So I, I'm going to focus on the guiding one because it's a bit of a cheating answer, of course, because it's the city plan. And the city plan is all encompassing because it deals with land use planning and how we're building out our city. It deals with operational side of things like how we're going to invest in transit and invest in active transportation. It deals with recreation and libraries. And so but but truly, I think the city plan was designed in a way that provides a very strong vision uh, for the future of our city. And I want to spend the vast majority of my time implementing that plan. That's what I see a lot of my time and effort being spent on. Uh, And then I think the other role, uh, the other piece is actually just hopefully serving as a bit of a guide now. Um, I I am the sort of the, I'm using air quotes when I say the old man on council um, and, and trying to help make sure the others succeed, returning the favor that was provided to me eight years ago when I had long-term city councillors who wanted to help me bring my ideas forward. Even if they were going to vote against it, they wanted me to bring it forward. And so I, I want to try to return that favor and, and help out those who have their own idea and their own vision and their own voices and make sure they can be as successful as possible. I have a quick follow-up on the city plan thing. It is a little bit of a cheater's answer, but I love to hear you talk about implementation. I think that definitely needs to be the focus. But having said that, do you see any gaps that the city plan wasn't able to encompass or address that you think this new council might be able to tackle over the next four years? I don't think there's a gap thus far in the city plan from what I've seen. Uh, I think the, the the potential gap is if we're actually going to invest the proper amount of money to deliver on it. Because words on a paper, a piece of paper is one thing. Yeah. Actually putting that into action is is what's going to be critical for this council. So uh, we can talk about the city plan all we want, but if we're not going to invest in it, then it means nothing. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that material investment come in the next four years. Thanks for taking the time and talk to us, Councillor Andrew Knack. My pleasure. Look forward to hosting in the future. We're looking forward <laughs> to having you. <laughs> Well, now that we've heard from Grandpa Knack, who, you know, being the (laughs) oldest member on council, is now approaching that out-of-touch, gotta-be-put-out-to-pasture retirement age, uh, let's talk about our retirement plan, which is to read more ads and get more dough. This episode is brought to you by the Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink, and it's produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I would listen to an Andrew Knack podcast in retirement. I got to say. Mac? No. <laughs> All right? We're not advertising him. He's going to do a trash job of hosting his episode when he gets his Speaking Municipally episode. Look, he can bloviate on his Facebook lives where he gets the three people that tune in, and that's going to be his media empire. Ooh, fighting words. Now let's have a more respectful conversation with our next counselor. This election was filled with councillors unseating incumbents, which we've talked about on the show before, is a very rare occurrence and happened quite frequently. And one of the councillors that was unseated was the councillor from Arnurnik, Bev Essinger, who wasn't. Uh, she was in Ward 2 at the time. But now the ward is represented by Aaron Rutherford, who we'll be happy to talk to on the podcast today. How are you doing, Aaron? Good. How are you doing? Uh, great. We're always happy to talk to counselors. You represent the 10th out of 12 counselors that uh, we're talking to on the show. It's very nice to get up to that high number and introduce everyone to the new council. Let's do that. Who is Aaron Rutherford? Uh, this is obviously your first term as council. Where did you come from before? What made you run for council? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Troy. I have actually had 15 years of experience in public administration in my career. I started in when I was 23, I got my first job with Strathcona County as a community developer. And I've been with in the public sector ever since working in community building, social planning and public engagement are the sort of spheres of work that I've done. But in my career, and because those areas intersect so many different lines of work within a municipality, I've had the opportunity to work with recreation departments, with waste management departments, with policy development and city clerks. So I really had a broad understanding across many lines of work within a municipality through my career, even though my career was focused uh, around that social sort of side of things. Uh, I also did get my master's degree in community development from the University of Victoria. And so really, again, focusing on how we activate grassroots initiatives and really empower community to be the change they want to see. And so I felt like this was a really important election to ensure that uh, the community's voices were heard. And that's people that were in those decision-making seats were able to elevate those voices, but also make decisions, understanding the multitude of complexities that we're facing. And so now you've brought all of that experience to council and representing the community uh, in a Nurknik, or at least that's what Troy and I had been saying. And uh, it probably won't be, won't be the last time we've been corrected, but you corrected our pronunciation. Can you help the listener understand how should we be pronouncing your ward? Yeah, so the pronunciation, as I've learned it from the elder, is anolnik. So basically the R is turned to an L, and uh, the N sort of has a U sound instead of an I sound. So anolnik is the, the, the proper pronunciation according to the elder that, that was part of the naming committee. Yes, this is an elder who helped actually choose the name that you mm -hmm. lives in your ward that that helped you understand this. Thank you for teaching us that. Yes, thank you. So speaking of things that uh, we'll be learning, we're obviously going to be following you throughout the next four years. And, you know, you're a new face on council, but like you just said in your experience, you're not, not an unexperienced face. So we're expecting 
big things from you. Uh, do you want to give the listeners some insight? What's something that you'll either tackle first in your term or something that might be a tentpole issue throughout your term? Yeah, there's a few things that I've already started uh working with administration on and one that I think a lot of counselors are on board with, but I've definitely been vocal in, in addressing it is the bus network redesign and how we make sure that it's accessible and works for residents across the ward and the city that have, uh, you know, need that rely on that transit and increase ridership. I also see, you know, in this four years, really having community safety in a holistic sense. So both tackling some of those police issues that we've been hearing about, tackling um, traffic safety, generalized, making people feel comfortable uh, being in their community and safe and proud in their community is something I really hope to work on and and have as as a focus for my campaign and something I heard a lot of at the doors in terms of people wanting to feel safe in their community and currently not. On the bus network redesign, do you see this as like, we've got to start over? Do you see it as just adding some frequency in certain areas? How are, how are you thinking about that challenge and improving it based on what you've heard from residents? Yeah, I don't think it's fair to totally scrap it and start over. I don't think that's reasonable to the cost and the money that's gone into the current bus network redesign. And as somebody that's a systems thinker, Every system is imperfect. And so we could scrap this system and build a new one that will still be imperfect. And so for me, it's about acknowledging what those imperfections are and how do we take the system we have and make it work based on the feedback that all of us as council and as Edmonton Transit Service have heard since the implementation of that bus network redesign. We look forward to seeing some of those implementations coming from you in the upcoming term. Uh, like like we said, it's always exciting to, especially as a policy wonk, see incumbents get unseated. And this council with eight fresh new faces is very exciting for us to follow. So thank you for bringing some excitement into our life. And uh, we look forward to talking to you more. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And uh, I feel it. I won't let you down. I, I think that this council will do really good things. And, and I'm excited to to demonstrate that over the next four years. Well, with that, we've done 10 out of 12 plus a mayor. So we're really getting you on your way to learning about all of your new council. To learn about the rest of them, you're going to have to tune in to subsequent episodes. Until then, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.